Facebook, any type of social media, and let, let the man, you know, introduce himself. Go on. Yes, family, peace. Um, my name's Craig Pinkney, as you know. Um, I kind of go by a number of titles, depending on what it is I'm doing throughout <laughs> the week. Um, but ultimately, I'm a criminologist, urban youth specialist, um, and a director for a company called Solve, the Centre for Youth Violence and Conflict. Um, uh, it's a national organisation. Um, I work with um, children, young people, victims of violence, um, but do a lot of training and consultancy for a number of entities um, nationally. So, for example, you've got children's services, social services, you may call it. Um, I do a lot of work with violent reduction units up and down the country. Um, the Crown Prosecution Service um, around trying to bridge that gap between um, young people that are going into the prison system and the kind of racism that they kind of experience within those particular processes. Mm -hmm. um, and then we run a local um, project called Alternative Roots here in the West Midlands, Birmingham, um, where we, one, teach young people about some of the issues or raise the awareness of the issues that exist in our community. But the most important thing is teaching them about financial literacy. So that's what I'm all about. So rather than just talking to the youths them about all of the things that's going on and telling them about the consequences, what are we prepared to give the youth back? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that all the youth talking about is money. Mm -hmm. So we have to show them how to make money. So, so, so I've um, got questions for you, but as you mentioned that, do you think that's a thing that the elder generation didn't teach us growing up in the ends? Like, our parents were good parents, man. You know, they worked, had businesses and whatnot, and then sold them afterwards. But do you think that our parents mainly told us at the time just to work for someone else? I think it's kind of, you have to kind of unpack that. It's not black and white. So you got to go back into history when a lot of our people, let's just go back into a particular era because our people have been in these lands thousands of years. But what I'm talking about in context of when we think about, let's say, the Windrush, mm -hmm. talking about Western, West Indies communities that came here into the UK, a lot of them came with a trade. So they had their own businesses. They were doing their thing. There was no issues of violence amongst our people. And ultimately, that was kind of dismantled and disseminated. And we were in a hostile environment where we were facing racism every single day. Mm -hmm. So our parents, when we were born, their thinking was just push them into the education system. Mm -hmm. Because from the education system, they don't need to work and work as hard as we did. So the mindset was about education. But what they didn't recognize was that, as Malcolm X said, that they were sending us to the killing fields. Mm -hmm. So we were going into their education, educational system but they were destroying us whilst we were there. And while we're destroying us about whilst we were there, we're talking about the, the miseducation. They weren't teaching us about our knowledge of self. They weren't giving us anything that we were able to kind of see within their curriculum and education. And they didn't teach us how to do for self. So we leave school. That hostile environment still exists within the community. Our parents didn't really give us the education of what to do in these environments. Because bearing in mind their thinking was, we just want to go, we just want to get you into school and get you into university and whatnot. And whilst we were in their institutions, a lot of us struggled, a lot of us dropped out. Mm. And then now when we want money, recognising we're in a capitalist society, some of us stepped down and just fell in line with what kind of the status quo and just kind of got a job. And then you got those that were rebellious, but probably didn't have the knowledge and skills to do something with that knowledge and skills. And then the kind of environment where drugs, violence, um, issues... Um, around territory kind of existing and you find a lot of people kind of fell into that. Mm -hmm. Definitely, man. 
So, so whereabouts did you come up? You know what I mean? In, in Brum and so forth. And then what was the environment like there? Is it anywhere near today or similar or? So I grew up um, Huckley, Winston Green. So this is like mm -hmm. my strip. Right, yeah. So the whole of Ludge Road um, from the flyover to Winston Green Prison is where I was born and bred. Um, and that's me. Every street, every cul-de-sac in between. Um, every family that would have come up in the in the eighties, nineties, all of them knew me, and I was a, I was amongst them. Um, I guess for me, when I think about my kind of experiences as a as a young man, was my household and a few other households were the only households that had a mum and dad. Mm. So I had a different kind of perspective on life because I always kind of give the analogy like boys in the hood. So my dad was like Laurie Fishburne. Oh yeah, Trey, Trey's father. Type of dad. <laughs> I, I was Trey. I was that guy. So I was around all the man them. The man them loved me, but I always made the decision not to do what the man them was on. That's but the right. love and respect was always there. Does that kind of make sense? So I guess as I kind of got up now, yeah, you know, you kind of recognize that things are happening. You know, you got to bear in mind that in the 90s, we grew up in the era of Burger Bar and Johnson. Mm -hmm. So issues of violence was already popping off. That's right. I would say the difference between then and now is we've got new things, social media. That's so we right. visualize violence a lot more. We recognize violence a lot more. Something goes off in London or even another part of Brum. It's on Instagram. It's on Snapchat. So we're more aware of the violence. So violence has always been here. And part of kind of my PhD, because I'm also studying at the minute, is I study violence in Birmingham in the West Midlands and kind of look at the traits. And one of the things that you learn, you can go back to the 17th century, Violence has always been here. And when we have these conversations, sometimes we're quite, because we're misinformed, we have these notions like, and say things like black and black violence, but violence has always been here. Mm. And I will say that the environments in which children, regardless of where they come from, enter into these environments is almost like a conveyor belt. So that's why when you hear of a stabbing now in places like Handsworth, I'm not thinking it's black, because who is it? Polish and Romanian? Mm. So when you think of the groups that have come after the Windrush era, those are the individuals or groups of people that are now in those spaces committing those crimes. So when you think about it, Hansworth now, let's be realistic, Grove Hansworth, Lane. Hansworth ain't black no more. <laughs> all right, then, so, so we know them, but they're doing the exact same things that we were being blamed for in the early 2000s and so on and so forth. That's right. I heard that um, according to the statistics of Scotland, they got more knife crime than in the UK. Used but, to. But again, when it comes to knife crime, they think black people. Mm. And in Scotland, there ain't much black people. Nah. So Scotland used to be the knife crime capital Damn. of Europe, um, but now it's London. Damn. Um, so the issue in London is is an absolute madness. So London, according to our Office of National Statistics, is the knife crime capital, but Birmingham, the West Midlands, is the gun crime capital mm. and has been for a few years now. That's crazy, man. So again, so I get you, you speak to a lot of youth and so forth, you know, teach them to change their life and not go through, you know, if I'm, if I'm young, man, I've been seeing around for a while, man. Mm -hmm. So what approach do you take? Like, what's your goal is to, is to like, come on one accord with them, relate to them and pull them out? Or, you know, is it the, the, the rough father approach? Like, yo, mm -hmm. stop that, man. How do you, you know, or, or, or the edu do you educate them? You know, how do you approach it? There's not one approach to engage with young people. I always kind of remind people that I'm a youth worker. So I'm trained in a particular way to specialize in working with young people. Mm -hmm. So my approach is multifaceted. To many. So you're going to have one youth that may take that father approach, and you may take a youth that doesn't take that approach. 
I think the thinking is, is that when people want to work with young people, they all seem that it's just one way. It makes For sense. Example, like children. Like I want to, yeah. I want to tell you about how I was a bad man back in the day, but I know 20 men that are not going to respond to that. Mm. But you have people that actually believe if I just tell you my story and I tell you how I come up, these youths are going to learn. I'm saying, yeah, three or four youths might respond, but what happens when the youth says, nah, I don't, I don't really care. You know what? My brother was better than you. Mm. Then what does that make sense? So, my approach is meeting young people where they're at. So one of the things that we talk about in youth work is we've got a philosophy around, it's called a humanistic approach. It's person-centered. So we acknowledge that individuals are unique and we respond to someone different. So the way I'm going to deal with you is going to be different the way that I deal with you and I deal with you different. So we all have similarities, but the way our natures are slightly different. So we deal with each other slightly different. Just like when you talk to your mother, you don't talk to your mom the same way you talk to your dad. You don't talk to your mom and dad the way you talk to nanny. You don't talk to Nanny the same way you talk to your sister. So the approach is going to be different. And it's the same with young people. Some young people are different and you have to respond to them according to their particular level. So to answer your question about what do I want from young people is one, to get them to recognize their true self, to get them to recognize that they're not statistics, they're not thugs, they're not prostitutes, they're not gang members. These are all labels that we as adults in a society put onto children and young people to get them to see more than what they can ultimately achieve. Sorry to jump in, something's hit me. How about females? You do with females much or yeah, so not, not as much? Oh, okay, yeah, but mainly, we we'll say mainly males, males, males yeah. also with females as well. Okay, so another thing, um, parents, uh, you know, you deal with, obviously, in your field, how, do, what's when some of the worst reactions you hear from parents that, that's got the news their son's been stabbed or got the news that son's been locked up? You must, I want to know so that my viewers will see how, you know, see the, how extreme your, your job is also and how extreme Parents are affected by, you know, what, what you teach and, you know, you and know so what? forth. To be real with you, the responses are so vast. And I'll just give you a couple of examples. Mm. So you got the typical scenario and situation where I might be working with a youth. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to meet his parents. And let's say that young person gets stabbed or shot and they end up in the local hospital. Now, someone in the community might holler at me and be like, yo, one of you young bucks have just been stabbed or shot, I will make my way to the hospital. Mm. Yeah. And because of obviously the work that I do, I may have access to see that particular young person. And in those moments, it's the first time that I meet a parent, you know, like, oh, you're Craig. It's the first time I've heard about <laughs> you. And I know you've been working with my son and da, 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 da. And we kind of established that relationship from there and get to kind of understand that, you know, these are good people, you know, their children have made certain types of decisions and we've just got to that particular place. And then you have the other type of parent um, that's fully aware what their young their child's on, but struggle and just don't know the answers. They're just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do anything different. I need help. I need support. And then you've got the other parent that's oblivious. They didn't even know that their son was a bad man. They didn't even know that their son was Is that most of them? Is that, is that most um, of them? I'm saying it's a mix of everything. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot that are just very ignorant to what's going on with their children. And then you've got the other category and this is what I've experienced, which is why, why when you asked the question, I was thinking, what was you getting at? And then you've got the parent that's aware of their child. I'm coming into how, And they don't want my support. Mm. So I remember a parent, and I won't talk about the incident because it's a case that's linked to a number of things that's happened in the city. But I remember seeing this young man. And the young man was, was excited to see me, but I couldn't see him because the police was a, wasn't allowing visitors. Um and made contact with mom, got her number. Every day I was checking in, mommy, my man all right? How's his health? Is he getting stronger? And one day she was like, why do you keep calling my phone? 
Mm-mm. I don't get why you keep phoning my phone. Why do you keep calling my phone? So you can imagine as a man that's I'm talking in my own yeah. time. I'm not getting paid for this. I'm just genuinely trying to see if the youth's all right. And mum said, why are you phoning my phone? So I'm just like, I get why now. My man is the way that he is in this community. Mm, yeah. These are the men that are... Like what you said earlier? Like what you said earlier? Some, some man are raised just by their mum. And you was, you know, lucky enough to have both parents in the house, man. So probably that's the reason why. Some, some of these parents, man. But oh, sorry, but back to what I was saying. So yeah, um, the reaction of these parents, sorry, just so my, my viewers can see, you know, anyone out, anyone out there that you know think gang crime is the way to show how you know they're destroying their parents, man, by doing stuff like this. What's what, what some of the reactions you've seen from some from some of these parents when they hear that you know I've, either stabbed or in jail or something? So I've seen families broke to the core, man. You know, I'm just thinking about some of the recent murders over the last twelve months, and. 12 months later, their children are dealing with the ripple effect. They're observing their other siblings, children dealing with the ripple effect of their son being taken. Mm. And I remember speaking to a parent and he said, he, he can't he can't see how he was going to move forward. Mm. I said, I'm destroyed. And the acknowledgement that also families are also destroyed in terms of perpetrators. Because remember, it's not just the victim's family, it's also the perpetrator's family as well. Mm. Because they also have to deal with the fact that their child's done a mad thing. And these are the scenarios that I find in the community where you have whole families distraught, whole families um, broken. And we as a community have to try and pick up those pieces. And that's why when I talk about things like mental health and therapy, it's instrumental in our community. It's something, oh, that, I, glad it's you, something that I advocate. I didn't have I, you, my theory is every black man needs a therapist. That's I didn't. Slogan. I didn't have you. Um, I didn't have this question written down. But since you mentioned it, I'm hearing a coincidence statistic nowadays. I heard back in the day it was kind of slept on because no one really didn't know. But it's not a lot of black men got mental health, man. Yeah, man. I heard, well, heard, um, I it's intergenerational. Our mental health. Yeah, you know, obviously through, about, through you know, slavery and so forth. Even before mm. that, you know, there's you know we've gone through traumatic experiences from generation to generation. So by default, it's interesting and shame that we didn't catch the cameras in the beginning because we were talking about how men are wired a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. And that wiring is also linked to the trauma as well, linked to fear, linked to anxiety, linked to depression. So you're probably all around your people. And, and then what? No, there's, no, there's no reasoning for the mad thing, but that's all linked to our mental health. And I think that for me is probably one of the most significant things that we have to address. The World Health Organization said, one of the most unaddressed issues of our society is adverse childhood experiences. Yeah. It's all about childhood traumas. So we may be passionate on our traumas. Young people may live in environments that are traumatic. So how do we expect them to function? Yeah. If we're only doing is just talking to them about our oh, back in the day, fam, <laughs> I used to be this guy and I used to be that. And you're thinking that's going to get through to a youth, but his whole wiring of his brain's off. Yeah, like what you're saying is deep because... Again, you got slavery, traumatic experience. So the parents will pass it down to their children. They get the wind rush that they co- imagine raising a child through racism. You're going, to, you know, you're trying to do, do the school run, and you're hearing gallywag and this, that, that. Yeah. So they pass it on to them kids now. Them kids become gang members and so forth, and then they pass it on, and it's just trauma passed on and on and on, man. So you know, I'm so glad and, you mentioned and there's that. Two man. things that we're going to do as a response, and that's why Neela Fuller once said that we're all victims of the system of white supremacy. Why? Because you're going to have those that, as I said, conform 
because they just don't want to, they don't want to threaten <laughs> the want... system, but by conforming, it's all kind of madness and it just looks weird from our community anyway, because you're conforming, your hair's different, you're, you're talking all different, nah, thinking that that's going to save you, but that's a, that's a, that's a defence mechanism. Mm. And then you've got the other side, which is the rebellion now. We just want to do a mad thing, but we don't know why we want to do the mad thing. Uh. In the same way that we want to do the mad thing, the system's getting both men in, in different ways. So they're going to raise that man up thinking, yo, you can speak on behalf of the rest of them. But then you now, we're going to lock you up and put you into all of these institutions. So chat for two, that way. So chat for two of them. Chat, so mm. the man that's thinking that, you know what, I'm saving myself by acting like them, talking like them, being nice to them. They're going to get raised up to a certain and used point. By them. And then we see that with the Michael Jacksons, the Tiger Woods, mm. the old, we've seen too many of those experiences to understand the fact that we're all victims of the wider system. I think Neely Fuller was the one to to nail that on the head and uh, I guess that to Francis Chris Welsing, um, for those that know from the American audience, know that she's 30 in terms of, you know, that knowledge and bringing that to us in terms of our understanding what is happening in terms of the context. That's deep still, man. So like, um, when you work with these kids and you do your, um, your lectures and so forth and help them and, you know, give them information mm -hmm. and you see one of these young ones don't take that advice and end up in jail, is that frustrating? Cause, you know, I see you put 110 yeah, into yeah, it, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, and nothing yeah. must be frustrating. Like, you put time into this man and you get the phone call. Well, yeah, 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 laptop. Well, you know already the type of individuals that we were around growing up. You know, you you, you remember the type of people that used to come in and out of those Oakland's uh, doors. <laughs> that was but, everybody, man. Yes, <laughs> the um, frustration is there. I used to be frustrated, and you know why? Because I had a savior complex. Mm. And that savior complex was that save everybody. Oh, come on. <laughs> you know but that comes with maturity though as well. And as I got older, I realized that you can't save everyone. You can give a man, I don't know if you remember the days with Tech Man Drayton Manor, Orton Towers, land on Saw Road, and it'd be a mass as soon as man jumped off the bus. So you'd be thinking, wait there, you just spent bags. For man to have an opportunity, <laughs> come out the ends, get a new environment. I go back to the same and the moment we touch the KFC. Madness outside mm -hmm. on Sarah Road. And you're thinking, how did we get here? So one of the things I also understand is that as I've started to get older and understand crime and why I went into kind of criminology and social science to try to understand the, the thinking is that we can't talk about trauma and then and ignore that when we're having these conversations. Mm -hmm. So my frustration was maybe because I thought that by taking you here, was going to somehow change you. Yeah. But that's not trauma work. It was, it was, because I need to, if your brain's rewired through trauma, then I need to somehow rewire that through back trauma. through trauma intervention. And in order for you to start functioning a certain way, then you can receive ultimately what I'm doing. Because the reason why you respond a particular way is probably on the basis of love. Mm. How many of us know individuals that you know can do a mazza at any time but you meet them at a certain level and you're like, yo, my man's like, it's cool. <laughs> my man's cool. And we know all of those individuals. So it shows then that in certain environments, which goes back to the point I'm making now, if we can take individuals out of a hostile environment or maybe work with their environment, then we may get certain types of responses from the youths that we're engaging with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where now my work has gone into. And that was the reason why I call my company Solve. I want to solve the problem. Because there is not one solution. Some men are going to say it's to do with this. Some men are going to say it's to do with this. Some men say the best way to do it is this. And all I'm suggesting is there's multiple ways because there's multiple issues to engage with, with the thing. And as I'm saying that, you might have one man that says, yo, this is the way. But if a man's saying he needs money in his pocket 
and you can't show him how to do business and entrepreneurship, he's going to look like look at you like you're a bit of a idiot. <laughs> that's, look, we have to have those honest conversations with each other. And I think that's where, when we talk about the generations, what they didn't teach us is how to be self-sustaining, how to be self-independent. And all we've just kind of gone is just gone with it. Mm, I, I, I totally agree with that, man. I think our parents told us, like all the other nations, you know, I mean, the, the um, Asians and Chinese, their parents told them, how, their parents had corner shops and told them how to get corner shop. Our parents said, yeah, just go, just go work, man. But you also have to job, understand, man. though, remember their experience is different to ours. So it's exactly. not even one that you even can, I wouldn't even compare because you got to bear in mind that when our grandparents came to this place, we paved the way for them. Yeah, I, 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 we said that last week. Yeah, we, we just we, just we, last we week we paved the way for those communities for everyone so that when came they, after us. When they came, we paved it so they can easier time. That there was certain level of all right, we were allowed the blackies to kind of do a couple of one and two jobs, but not all of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we've also dealing with trauma. We're dealing with the history of colonialism. No other no other nation has come with that. Does that make sense? And so now when now they're coming in now. So we can't really use the... It's almost like saying a man that's like probably the baddest footballer in the world versus a youth from the block. They both can play football. But how, we're going to say how you can even compare my man versus my man, but that's what we do. So then we'll have these conversations now and be like, yeah, but they were able to come here and do that. And they will even look it's at true, us it's and it's be true, like, yo, yeah. Unala is lazy when we come we here. Cover cut, we but cut the way for them. Unala, uh, we're dealing with national front the way we were dealing with national front. That's right. You weren't dealing with the fact that the system was designed to keep us at the bottom. So they'll let the lighter man come true, but Unalak is staying at the bottom. <laughs> and until we start to really have those deep conversations, it's impossible for them to kind of say that we came on the same playing field. No, we didn't. We were bottom at, we were bottom at the barrel. That's right. And man come halfway. So yes, they experienced racism. I'm not negating that. Yes, they experienced injustice. I'm not negating that. But we were at the bottom of the barrel. That's right. Well, you, get you get me? So I feel like... It's important that we do that, man. And I think... You can say one thing. Yeah, sure, King. I just want to say one thing. You know what I mean? I've interviewed lots of people. And when it comes to this subject right here, they, they don't want to say what you said right there. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's the facts. You know what I mean? And a lot of people, well, you know, this and that. And you know what I mean? I respect that you said that as it is, man. So most definitely, man. Yeah. I feel like you know, come on, man. Use that, uh, you know, you're a big man now. Big man now, come on, man. Big big man. You're still my YG. You get what I'm saying? But I think the reality is that we have to speak truth, innit? That's true. And there's going to be times where we, as men, have uncomfortable conversations. And sometimes we don't have all of the answers. I'm humble enough to say, listen, I don't know an answer. I don't know the answer. You get what I'm saying? But I feel like, as men, as members of the community, as fathers, I think it's important that we have these kind of interactions. So those that are viewing these things can be inspired <clears throat> to study, to ask more questions, and to show and prove. Hmm. So we're not just individuals that are chatting in a room. And that's one thing anybody knows about me is I'm, I'm on my thing. I know that I'm going to be talking to young people and showing them things. It was only last week we started a project. And I'm talking to them about getting pee. Hmm. How do you get legitimate pee? You know what I'm saying? If you're saying that you're trapping or you shut, you're selling drugs... I'm saying, all right, then cool. How much? Let's be honest. And how much money have you got right now? You got three bags. What can you do with three bags? So rather than continuing your madness, you actually can utilize that with no judgment. Because we have to be honest as well. We can't tell them just dash it. So I brought know that they're going to use. I brought my line right there. Tiffany, they give you a big up. It says, "Yo, the brother's deep, man. Big respect, man." No.
and I think that you know that is where for me I feel like we need to go forward. We need to we need to show. I think that we we I the, I think the only thing that will stop us from repeating our previous generation is stop the lip service. We're very good at we're very good at getting into circles. We're very good at talking about the problem. We're very good at we're amazing at brainstorming. You know, we're very good at all of that. And I'm saying it's good. It has its purpose. But what the youths are saying is, yeah, big man, how you show me how to get peed up? How you show me how to get pee? And I'm not talking about saying it as in is is not realistic. But I'm saying it might just be skills of like, yo, fam, you can get a job if you want to, but you can build up to get a side hustle that can create something for yourself. Because that's the mindset that I roll with. Because all my circle think like that. How do we as individuals create businesses within our community? And that's what it really boils down to. It must be key, man. It must be comfortable. Sorry, so, so I got a question for you. Like you said, everybody wants to make money. So the children that you deal with, I was wondering, is it mostly children from single parent homes with the father not around? Would you say the statistics is? The vast majority of um, young men that I work with, um, on females uh, also, um, have a dad, but the dad doesn't have that much presence with them. So one of the things I talk about in my work is called a, um, a term called father deficit. Um, so it's absent fathers in layman's terms. And what I talk about is the psychological impact that absent fathers have on children. So I, as I was saying in the beginning, that I work with children as young as five years old. And even from five, I can see the kind of behaviours that may be presented from a child that may not have their father in their life. So generally what happens, just to give you a quick breakdown between males and females, is that young boys that grow up with their father actually don't show any issue up until about 12 and 13. Why? Puberty. You start discovering your manhood. So by default or naturally, what men do is look at other men to know what it is to be a man. So you see a man dressed a certain way, okay. You see a man move a certain way, okay. So if they're getting constant, consistent, positive role modeling from someone that's doing their thing or a father that's straight, then that's what they get as their energy. So if a young man doesn't have that, they're going to pick that up from the mandem. They're going to pick it up from TV. They're going to pick it up from music. So they develop what is called hyper-masculinity. So it's exaggerated forms of manhood. Yo, get me. Hooded up. Trousers all the way down to their... their it's exaggerated forms of masculinity. Now, because they think that that's what it means to be a man, they then come into contact with different people. So when you see kids at school, any pastoral manager, for those that don't know, pastoral manager is like, every school has kind of like a behavior unit and they deal with every single year group. So pastoral management will all say, when children, the year eights, which is second year of high school, go to the summer holidays and come back, it's like the year nines go crazy and they can't explain it. And what I'm saying is, they're developing their manhood. So if they've not had positive and consistent males around them, they're going to have loads of toxic forms of mass masculinity that made us, made us demonstrate as crazy. So that's why when they get to like year nine, year 10, the school don't have to deal with them. And that's why they just kick them out and end up in pupil referral units. Whereas young women now are actually more resilient than men. So young women will get through the education system and show no problem whatsoever. But the data says that 19 or 18 and beyond, beyond shows the issues. So even up until 40, they may start to show issues around the psychological impact of absent fathers. And that's generally linked to choosing a partner, choosing a spouse, what type of man you want to be around and all of those particular things. So when I do work, and this now goes back to the point now about parents now, 
So some of the work that I do with fathers is teach them how to be fathers amongst their children. Because some of the men have this concept that my dad wasn't around, so I'm just going to make sure that I give my you everything because my dad wasn't around. Mm -hmm. But what our kids don't want is presence. They want presence. Yeah. That's what they want. They want us to be about. So when enough of them, when you ask me then about their fathers, say enough of them have dads, mm -hmm. but there's no presence. So dad only comes around when there's a madness. Dad's phone only rings off when you've done something wrong. Right. Get me? So, so yes, I have a dad. Yes, he gives me money. Yes, I chat to him. But the only time my man seems to land is when mom can't get yeah, when mom can't deal with deal with the madness and she's stressed out. So I know exactly what you're on about because your mom will only call your father when you do something wrong, which means you don't like your father because he only comes around to chastise you. So I know exactly what you're talking about. So I know exactly what you're on about. So all these children need fathers because when your father's in your life. Nobody don't love you the way your father does. So the way your father loves you, he's going to tell you, yo, you ain't going to be no drug dealer and you're not going to do these things. Whereas the men that you're looking up to, because you ain't had a father, they're not your father. So you're looking up to the man that's got the biggest yeah, Mercedes, you to trap. Yeah, the, man, yeah. the man that's the biggest drug dealer. And then that becomes your role model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you want to be him. Whereas he, he don't care about you because he don't love you. He's not your father. So if you had, if they had their real father who loves them, they would teach them everything that they should be taught. Like for instance, you're a father. I'm a father. So if we raise our kids, like the way how the way how I raise my kids is every black man's your brother. That's how I raise my kids. So you've heard the saying, it takes a village, a village to raise a child. Mm. Meaning if one of the children in, in the hood are running around with knives and whatnot, you're a father, I'm a father. All those fathers should come together and find out whose child it is. Why is this child running around with weapons? But how we've become is... Uh, we ain't a community no more. Yes, God. We ain't mm. neighbors no more. Mm. Black men see each other, and it's what, what you watch me like that yeah, for. Whereas yeah. I should see, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I should yeah. see you as a brother. Mm, yeah, so, yeah. so by me being an adult, seeing you as a brother, I'll teach my kid to see your kid as a brother. Yeah, yeah, and, and then any problems in the community, we should understand that violence doesn't have to be the answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, if 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 your son steals my son's bike, and and, and I knock your door. You, me and you both know right is right and wrong is yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. So us as fathers should be like, you know what? My son shouldn't have stolen shouldn't this bike. Be a madness. This is the bike. Dog. Exactly. Yeah, 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 so yeah, if yeah. my son stole something up your son, Vice all, versa. all yeah, you would yeah. have to do is come to me mm -hmm. and, I, and I'll, I'll chastise my son like you don't steal, give him back the bike. Whereas now in the community, there's a thing the where... The dads are going to probably fight each other. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas yeah, if we yeah. loved one another, like, 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 like the Bible says, uh, love your neighbor like yourself, meaning mm -hmm. I wouldn't want my son to get robbed. So if I love your son like he's my son, I wouldn't want your son to get robbed. Yeah, yeah, so I'm saying we need more of that in the community. Yeah, yeah. And, and then that would stop mm. a lot of problems. Whereas mm. if we came together, sat down and spoke instead of pulling out knives and guns. Because like you said, you deal with um, children that stab each other and go to jail and whatnot. And then once you get down to, okay, then what was this over? And then three, four years down the line, they regret it. And no one yeah, sees yeah. that side to it. Mm. We only see the side when he was wearing Gucci on the road. Oh, and. When he had the Mercedes and all the women mm. liked him, but we don't see the side when he's sitting in his yeah, cell yeah, on his own. Yeah, real talk. When his friends ain't picking up the phone to him, when his woman's gone off with another man, <laughs> we don't see that side. Mm. But the side that we do, the side that we do see is the Gucci, right. the, the pouch with all the money in there, um, the, the the drug dealer thriving. That's the side that we see. So these children need to see the other side that not all that glitters is gold. Yeah, meaning, meaning, meaning. Okay, some of them are going to sell drugs, but that lifestyle doesn't last forever. Mm -hmm. Like, what happens with that is eventually you're going to get caught by the police, and then they, they repossess all the stuff that you brought with that drug money, mm -hmm. and then square one. you're back mm -hmm. on square one, and then everybody that you thought loved you gone. are gone. Whereas the people that truly love you are there, which is 
your mother and your father. Yeah, so yeah. it comes down to us teaching our kids what real love is. Yeah, yeah real right? so, so they think money's love mm, yeah, and so yeah. forth. And, so, and, 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 and what you just said, you know, is powerful, you know, mm. Kim, because one of the things I talk about in my lectures is that we need to teach peace and love. Mm. We teach violence as a society, but we don't teach peace and love. Right. And those things are important mm. when you're talking about nurturing our children. And I think one of the things that's really important as well when you're dealing with children is understanding that they're children. Mm. You know, so one of the things that I think that we sometimes do by default, and I say we in a wider context of men, women, is one, we don't acknowledge the time we're in. Mm. And I think two, we're trying to adultify our children. So we want them to be adults. Mm. So we've got to bear in mind that we were once kids. We used to do very silly things. You know, we used to do madness on the train station. And I weren't thinking, we weren't thinking about the train track. We were just <laughs> thinking about, yo, it's <laughs> a mad thing if you can just run from one side to another. And I think sometimes when we talk to our children, we forget that they're children because we want them to grow up quick. And then when we worry about when they do start showing signs of growing up quick, we don't like it. We see on the, the women do it with their girls. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. they want them to start dancing and doing all kind of mad thing. And then, they, but then they're letting the boys them do a mad thing as well in the video, and it's all fun and jokes. Oh, they're just kids. But we're making them adults. We're making them adults for our behaviors. And we can't have it both ways. We can't want them to live a certain type of way. But then we as adults are not showing them. I keep saying the same again. Show and prove. We ain't showing them any different. So like how... Again, we may have a young person that, like you just mentioned, that may have a particular mindset or you might not want to listen or whatnot. I always say, listen, exhaust every tool within the toolbox. And I would like to think that despite the tools that may not necessarily work, the love's still there, though. So when you ask me about the frustration, mm. yeah, I'm frustrated, but the love's still there. Because the man that went on that 33-year sentence will probably message me on Snap like, yo, do you remember that session back in the day when you was talking about <laughs> joint enterprise? I'm like, nah, because yeah, fam, you was talking about da 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 But now you're saying for 35 years because you done a mad thing with a machine gun and hit an innocent person. Wow. You get what I'm saying? So these are the things that sometimes those moments are teaching moments for others. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people get sacrificed in those situations in order to teach a next shoot that this no, is the reality, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So we touched on prison, you just, just touched on prison. So one of the other questions I wanted to ask you, harder sentences, right? What Now, I'm asking this question, it don't mean I agree with it, I'm just, I wanna know what, you've seen some of these kids that you're working with, so you you would know, you know, what would work and you know, um, you know, I'm pretty sure you got your own suggestions or whatnot. What do you think about the government giving harder sentences? Do, do, do you think that's the solution? That's the key or is this the, the government, as usual, in my opinion, just mm -hmm. slamming the book on black people. Yeah, give him, give him, give him thirty, giving brothers double digits and thirty years and IPP and all them thing there. I always say this: when you're studying crime, you have to study punishment. That's what criminology is all about. You study of crime and punishment. <clears throat> so when you look throughout the ages on where punishment is being used in order to sanction people <clears throat> that have done things against the law. I think it's important to acknowledge that punishment doesn't work for everything. And then when you kind of look at the way that the prison system is created within the West, that punitive response just to lock people up is generally the easiest thing to do mm. because it seems like it solves the problem. Because one of the things that also, when you talk about crime and punishment and you think about crime throughout the ages, there's something called rehabilitation. 
And there was a time where people believed in the concept of rehabilitation, that you go through a process with the intention that at the end of it, you come out a different person. Mm. So when we talk about those things like trauma, locking someone up is not going to get rid of the trauma. No, what prison is supposed to be rehabilitation. No, it's supposed, supposed to be. Supposed to be, I'm saying. By the way, but... but that's the point I'm making, though. So we believed in the concept of rehabilitation, but because of cuts, because of numbers and people don't want to fund aspects of rehabilitation, it's now just become a time of punishment. Mm. So when you hear things like knife crime, we get very emotional about it. It's bad, it's scary. You know what, what are these kids doing? Just lock them up, give them 40, 50 years for having a knife, but that doesn't deal with the problem. So the point, uh, the answer to the question is crime, punishment doesn't deal with the problem. However, 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 this is something we teach the ISUPK, you know what I mean? In the Bible, Moses had laws to punish people, but Christ taught how to not break them laws. So it deeply said that. But sorry, carry on if you may. Sorry. However, there are going to be times where people need to be chastised and they need to be punished. So when we're talking about punishment, this is when we start talking about things like justice, fairness, equality, equity. But let's go back to the point that we were making before. We are victims of what? Trauma, man. A racist society. Mm. We're all victims of white supremacy. So if you're then talking about crime and punishment, through what lens and through who is created a system right. for us to be punished? Right. So we can't even have a conversation about fairness and equality and punishment because we're talking to a system that's like designed that. yeah. for us to be there anyway. You again, I gave you the two analogies. You either conform or you become a statistics. Either way, it benefits the system because it, re it removes the men from producing other strong men in the community. You have communities then that are weak. So anything that they want to bring to the community to destroy it, it's there. And that's why when you look throughout the ages, you always had communities of men that were able to be like, nah, we're not having it. That's true. Right? We're not on it. So the man, the, the man, as we know, is important, man. I know they try to play the man down. Oh, you know, I don't need no man and man ain't nothing. Listen, no man not paying. But the man is important, man. As we know, if the man was important, why did the fund so much in making the man look small, getting him out of the house and feminizing, put him in jail, get him to fight in their wars and so forth? The man it's, it's is the important. Easiest man. way to destroy the black family, destroy the man, ridicule the woman, destroy the man, and then you've got his kids. This brother dropping bombs today, but that's everything we teach out of HBK right here, man. So it's like, sorry, so next question. Sorry, I got I got touching it, man. No, go on, I need to. Music, man. Yeah, of course. Music, come on, we can't. It's the biggest one. This is my PhD. Come on, right man. Now. So you got me, got me at the right time now. Come on, are we ready for you? Yeah, yeah. Is music one of the main factors why man against double? It's one of the factors. All right. Is it a, is it a big factor? I, I want to know, because... I've, I watch a lot of I watch a lot of people here. It depends. All right, so so this is me now doing my PhD mode. <laughs> and it means what do you do? Well, I'm bringing it, man. What, what do you define? Don't suffer it, you know. What do you define as big? Because um, I'm going to argue that poverty is greater than music. Austerity is greater than music. Racism is greater than I'll music. Also the same. I'll Trauma the same. is greater than music. But what you need to understand is that the concept of music has become politicized. Why? Because it's us that's making the music. So you have to also understand the political nature of things like drill music, because that's the only genre that everybody's talking about right at now. At the moment. Really, at the be, moment. In before it was West Coast. It wasn't as big as drill, It was hip-hop, but yeah. it wasn't affecting us, though. It wasn't affecting here in the UK. I can't that's talk right. for America. I only can talk for here in the UK. That's it was true. grime. That's true. And then it was now drill. And the political nature of that is that 
the premise is, is that this drill music is causing our youths to go on a madness. Now, what I'm saying to your question, yes, it has a role to play, but why I have to be careful with the answer, because what I don't want to do is go into the narrative of the system that's trying yeah, to destroy yeah. our kids. Yeah. That's why I asked you the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am going to say about music, of course, but I want to talk about poverty first. I want to just talk about the destruction of the black family first, and then let's talk about the music. So I will say in conclusion, we have to have an honest conversation about what the music is doing to our children and young people. It's self-destructive mm -hmm. because what they're doing, they're teaching each other to kill. They're teaching each other to go get man. The last three weeks, there's been a madness in the West Midlands. I'm not sure if you've been watching the news. No, Yesterday, the head of police has called it an emergency meeting. I wasn't able to attend it today. Why? Because the murders that have happened at the beginning of the year are spiraled out of control with loads of tip pack tit for tat things happening on this block, on that block, and just past the flyover over there. Now we have to take into consideration the pandemic, the cuts in services, and all of those things. So when I say let's have an honest conversation about the music, we also can't ignore the fact that multinational corporations are the ones that are pushing this music in our communities. What do I mean? Because we're talking about the violence in the community. We're talking about the music and what it's doing to our youth, even from a psychological perspective. But why are we not talking to Sony and Virgin and all of these big record labels, the Charlie Sloughs, the Tim Westwoods, Definitely. that are coming into our community and exploiting our youths? Definitely. And how are they exploiting our youths? They're exploiting our youths in the same way that the drug dealer that you spoke about. Definitely. So make this music and you're going to blow, fam. <laughs> make this music and you can go number one. So are you thinking, raw? all I need to do is talk about my environment. All I need to talk about is the man that I don't like or my ups. Of course I'm going to do it. And I'll never forget, you said to me one time, I either sell these drugs or I make this music. And in my head, I'm like, yo, these two options are both bad <laughs> because both of them are self-destruction. You kill our community through drugs or you kill them through the music because you're talking about man that you've got problems with. But at the end of it, someone's making profit. So when you're talking about the man now on the road, doing what they're doing, making music and whatever, understand that there's another man outside of our community doing that. But this is a repeat of history. That's why I said I wanted to talk about grime and drill, because now when we go to America, we then start to understand that, because then you talk about Bay Area, let's go back. So when hip-hop was kind of created, what was it? An American family would agree with that. What was it about? Fight the power, freedom, justice, equality, brotherhood, family, looking after our women. And then somebody coming and said, nah, man, talk about niggas, bitches, hoes, and talk about a madness. And a man saying, all I need to do is just talk about what's on my block. So it's still an art form. I'm still talking about what's going on on my block. But whereas I was talking about the enemy now, the enemies now use these brain, and now I want to punch you in your mouth, and you want to punch me in my mouth. And let's say, all right, then, we do that now. Now you three man want to join him. You're on my team. And when we see each other now outside IQPK in Hockley, he's going off. <laughs> and this is what happens. And then it spirals out of control, and nobody knows where it began. But we go back to the point. I'm making the system deep, that's deep, designed that's deep, for us to be doing this. We get the blame. They brought the drugs in. They music, brought the drugs, the, the record, in, exactly. and they brought these record labels into our community to show the golden ticket. So we can't blame the youths for them saying, you know what, I'm gonna either shut or I'm gonna make the music. Because going back to your question, your point about community, what are we showing them to do different? So how do we make that a third, fourth, fifth option? So there are only two options. It's not just I want to shut or I want to make music. What about if you want to be a banker? What about if you want to be an electrician? What about if you want to be a plumber? What about if you want to do 
entrepreneurship. What about if you want to do so many other things? So that's why I'll go back to the point about where we can bridge that gap and bring that level of community again. So it's not just about teaching our youths love and teaching them peace, but we need to show them, all right, then, they live in a capitalist society. No matter what we say, we can't run away from that. Right. iPhone is still doing this thing. Apple's still out there. Sony PlayStation is still selling. Gucci is still selling. Dior, <laughs> Chanel, all of those things are still selling. So we can't be ignorant and ignore the external factors and not at least say, okay, then what's the external factors that are out there? Okay, so this is what's getting the youths then. Okay, all right, then cool. I can't get you 10, top 10. I can show you ways of how you also can make millions in your own community because it's achievable because people have done it. All right, well, watch the views on music then. You know, you know, come on, you can't lie. The music bangs, man. With the beat no, wild and stuff. No, 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 no. But hear what I'm saying. I'm strong enough. Nobody's not speaking of a knife. Nobody's is what I'm saying. But I do love music. Nobody's is what I'm saying to you, bro. You got to bear in mind we're older as well. So you also have to take into consideration that we're adults. Let's just bear that one in mind first. Mm. Then you're going to hear my point. So one thing you didn't hear me say is that the man them are not talented. I didn't say that. I acknowledge the man them are talented. Our youths are gifted. That's right. I can't spit no bars. I don't know about you, man. I, <laughs> if you tell me right now, spit a quick 16. I'm an adult fam. I don't really know. I'm, I'm going to look like a, like an idiot on this thing right now live. But they use the fact that they're able to articulate and throw things together. That's mastery, fam. No, it's, it's, poetry, it's mastery. Man. However, we have to acknowledge, and this is the part where, where I said we have to be honest, because you know... If a song goes off in Newtown tomorrow, by Monday, someone's dropping in, in one of the ends in Hockley. Come on, come on. Let's be honest. Vice versa. So that's the part that we can't run away from. So we can say, yeah, it's music, it's bangs, and what's not. It don't make you pick up the knife. But I can show you about <laughs> the news man, outside yeah, right true, now true. that are going to war right now because of things that are going on based on three music videos that have come but out over again, the last few months. You said masculinity is rare amongst us. They, they feminize the black man and so forth. This music is kind of masculine. What, what? No, it's hyper-masculine. Would you... No, it's hyper-masculine. Get that, no. You have to choo, choo, that. Okay. It's hyper-masculine. It's better than... I don't move like that. <laughs> I don't do all of them mad things that I see the men doing. Skirt, skirt. <laughs> I, I don't know about... Uh, sorry, I don't know about the man them in the room. No, no, I'm no. not on all of that. I, I, you know I, I, what I'm I, saying? I, I, I'm not... I'm, I don't drink lean. I don't <laughs> I don't smoke till I can't understand Wild One and a man can't talk to me. You got what I'm saying? I'm not in the bando for seven days a week. It's not me, bro. You got what I'm saying? So... We have to also be honest about the comparisons and what we're having with these young people. And these young people are oftentimes children, which goes back to my point again. So when you're saying that you're not going to pick up a knife, and that's why I said we have to respect our age, because mm -hmm. what we see as not, uh, as consequences and logic, you can't expect that from a 12, 13-year-old. That's true. That, that's, so that's, that's why I'm so heroic the last few days. You have been stabbed on broad daylight mm -hmm. because all the older man them say, what? What kind of man them would do that in broad daylight from where there's cameras? But we say that as adults, the youths them are thinking, so what? <laughs> because they're not seeing the consequences like the train track. When I was younger, when we were playing a fam, you see me, I'm not trained. When I'm in the train station, I'm looking at that gap well, before the, you get uh, onto the, the train. The platform, the yeah, platform. Yeah, the platform. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I go theme parks now. I'm the done that will wear, I'll hold everyone's coats. And I'm like, <laughs> the man in my team. But when you were younger, you had no fear. When you were younger, you was on adrenaline. You weren't really thinking about the dangers. So again, when we're talking about being adults and talking to youths, when you ask me about my approach, I always acknowledge that me and you are not the same age. So you might like something that I think is some idiot business, mm. foolishness, but in your eyes, it's something important. So how do I get to your level so you can understand the reasoning? And I'm saying that again, this is where we're going wrong because all we're doing is just talking. 
but we're not talking with from an informed place. We're not talking from a place where we're like, you know what? I understand the mindset of this 13-year-old you that's going out doing a madness. Only a couple of months ago, a 14-year-old was stabbed and shot in our community. So don't, man can't mm. tell me that music hasn't contributed to this in some way, shape or form. However, it's not the only reason. And when you think about the pandemic, the fact that they're not at school, and again, these are all the external things. So what the authorities would like to do is not Play talk the about the system and just say, it's to do with YouTube, it's just to do with Instagram, it's just to do, and we buy into those narratives. And all I'm just saying as a people, we need to be careful of what the, what the dragon's trying to do because they only want us to focus on this. So I'm saying that, yes, we acknowledge the systemic issues, but we also have to have conversations with men and say, you know, what is the self-destruction doing on our front doorsteps? Mm, sorry, the brother here wants to ask you a question. Yeah, come through. Come on. You might not boss that heater, you know, it's getting hot. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, feeling like I'm at my nan's house right now. There's like 100 people in the house and the heating, heating's still blasting. Just a quick question. Yeah. Just wanted to know your opinion on um, what marijuana, the effects of marijuana has on our people, um, especially considering the effects that tetrahydrocannabinoids have on the neuron receptors in the brain and how it stops the brain from maturing. So uh, when you say um, a lot of our people are stuck in a childish mindset, mm -hmm. I want you to um, break down the effects that marijuana, you reckon marijuana has um, a part, participates in this um, dichotomy. So I'm not a geneticist and I don't do anything about drugs as such. So I'm not going to sit here and kind of speaking away in which I understand the breakdown of that question. I know individuals that study that solely. Um, but what I do know is there is a difference between the weed in which people are smoking that is homegrown, um, in the end we'd call it yarders, versus the strains in which young people are smoking skunk, the cheese, the haze, and all of these terminologies that young people are using because they're ultimately chemicals that are being used to enhance the um, the production of the potential plant. So you got to think then if these things are filled with chemicals and if people are smoking those things continuously, it's also going to add to the way in which the way that we see, the way that we think and our perception on things. So if we just heat, if we keep that in terms of context for a moment and then you consider all the other things that I've just mentioned, trauma, hypersensitivity, meaning I'm watching the thinking man that's about to go off any second. Then you've got to think about the poverty, the fact that people can't go outside because COVID-19 in, in your yard, all of these things are going on at one time. People's escapism may be that weed, that marijuana that they're smoking. But whilst they're smoking that, whilst they damage mentally, emotionally, psychologically, they're also smoking something to pass the time, but that's also damaging them in terms of their blood, their brain cells and reducing their consciousness of being able to be able to respond in a particular type of way. So when you notice about violence now, a lot of young people smoke. Why do they smoke? Why do they drink? Because it's a calm for them. But you got to bear in mind that if you're in a hypersensitive state and you're doing things to keep you calm, that's going to mess with the wiring of your brain. Because if I'm going into a fight, I ain't trying to slow down. I'm trying to be on point and alert. But the reason why they do those things is to keep them intact and also to deal with the fact that they're human beings as well because it's kind of emotion 
connection where people talk about this idea that, you know, people are heartless. I don't think people are heartless. I think they do things to make themselves heartless because stabbing a man is probably one of the most physical things in terms of violence that somebody can do. Shooting a man's easy because I can just blast over there and run off. I couldn't even tell you who I hit. I don't know what it looks like, but when you get real close to a man and a man goes, oh, and you, and you hear him cry so and he looks you in your face and you, you see the way that he falls, that does something psychological. So have you ever spoke to a man that done such thing before? Yeah, quite a few. Uh, what, 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 what did they say? This, this, I was angry, I was mad, I blacked out. What, what did they say? Oh, yeah. hold too long. Just, they, just, just they, that. They okay. black out. It's, curious. it's rage. But this is what I'm talking about. There's a difference between anger and rage. So I'm glad that you've asked those questions about the brain. Because rage is when you've got that total blackout. Question is, is where does the rage come from? These are the things we need to unpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're talking about man doing a mad thing. Because they'll say with the animals, all oh, the animals, lock them all up. We're doing a mad thing, but where did the mad thing come from? And then when you start to go back now and start to go back, you start realizing that this thing was, a lot of it was passed down to us. That we've grown in an environment where we are taught to be hostile because our parents and our grandparents were trying to protect us from that same system that damaged them. That's right. So when I think about when I was growing up, boy, I must watch them, you know. Boy, I mean, if you watch them, you know. Like, boy, them move, I look funny, you, you know. You're bringing me back, like, like, you're bringing know, me like, back. When them stop, you know, make sure you're, 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 you're stand up and... Why are you telling me all these things as I'm young and, you know, uncle get licked down by feds, friends get licked down by feds, Kingsley from ends get licked down by feds. Uncle Mikey Powell get licked down by feds and we're dying in the community and nothing ain't happening, but your parents are saying you must watch them. So we're growing up in a kind of context where it's like, rah, I'm, I'm kind of shook at these people subconsciously. Right. We're taught to be shook at them subconsciously. Mm. So that's why we're bad for each other, but we're not, not bad, bad for them. Stockholm syndrome, Bro, man. come on, man. We're bad for each other, but we're not bad for them. How does that make sense? Man, that open, open enemies, marking us in the street. But I'm going to see you, and because you look at me for three seconds, I'm saying, you're from, where are you from? Oh, come here and chat to me. My, and you're just, trying to get home. you're just trying to get home to your family, bro. My favourite was this. Man, you can't walk for Aston without a man saying where you're from. Meanwhile, when there's a villain match, man, walk right for Aston with the yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and no one will say nothing, man. You can't walk through there. You're mad. You, you, get, you get stuck, check what you do around here. But I think it goes back the to... villain match now. It, it, the walk through there, enjoy the game. Half time, that they're buying their hot dogs and everything. And yeah, they ain't scared. It's a mad thing. And it goes back to the point about the concept of love and seeing man as your brother and acknowledging that a man is your brother. Because when there's no love and we have so much self-hate for each other or for ourselves, we transfer that self-hate. And this is where when you're talking about the mind again, I'm transferring my self-hate onto you. So when you're looking at me, I know that I'm broken. I know that I'm mash up. So what are you watching me for? <laughs> what you watching me for? Like, what you notice that my 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 thing's not right. You get what I'm saying? And you're not even looking at all of that. But in my head, that's what I think that you're doing. You get what I'm saying? So I'm telling now, yeah, but you're watching my girl. And you're thinking, bro, like, but by then there's no conversation. Because at that point now, I want to be violent. Because the only way I know how to deal with my emotions is through violence. Let me just stop you one second. Like you said, a brother will look at you. Oh, you like, like you said, a brother will look at you. And you know that you're broken. And the sad thing is he's broken too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't even know it. So he's broke and you're broke. And then and then you hate yourself and I hate myself. And then when me and you see each other, 
I, I, like, like, we've been taught to look at a black man's life like it don't really mean much. Yeah, yeah, we're slaves, yeah, we're nothing. Yeah, yeah. So when I see you, I'm seeing someone who's a slave and who's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not treating you like, like you're royalty. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing you and I'm thinking, yo, no one cares about, no one cares about my life. No one cares about his life. So me and you are two people who don't care about nothing because we've been, mm -hmm. like you said, it's been passed down to us. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we ain't had the, like you said, we ain't had the proper parenting because it was rough on our parents as well. Because how you look at it with our grandparents, they was working what? Three jobs. Three jobs yeah. to make ends meet. Mm. So when they're coming from work, they're tired. They can't teach us nothing. Mm. So imagine they're just coming from work, and by the time they finish work, it's time for you to go to bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we ain't had the we ain't had the same opportunities that these other races have had, where you get to spend time with your family, mm -hmm. where you get to spend time with your parents, your grandparents. Because growing up, I remember my grandma working three jobs. My mom said, hey, um, as soon as her mom used to come in from work, her dad used to go do the night shift. Mm. Now a father doing the night shift, when he sees you in the morning, he's, he's too tired to even say anything. Yeah. And then now you spend what most of your time at school. So you're at school from what nine till three. Yeah, nine till yeah. three or so, eight thirty. See, yeah, yeah. So you're at school. You got to be in the building. See, you're at school eight till three. Mm -hmm. So you get home about four. You have your dinner. Your parents are probably tired from work or whatever they're doing. Couple hours. Couple yeah. hours. Back to bed. Mm -hmm. And then you, everything you learn is from school. Yeah, yeah. The teacher don't care about your education anyway. The teacher's just there to get paid. <laughs> so the teacher's there to get paid, and there's twenty nine other students in the class. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and and this is why they allow you to be the class clown. This is why they allow you to be the class clown and they don't correct you or nothing. They just kick you out. Yeah, yeah. Or if they don't kick you out, they just leave you until it comes to GCS, um, GCSEs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get terrible results, not, realize, not, not realizing... Yeah, we're good. I'm on your time, bro. Yeah, yeah, you told me you're on your time, bro. So it comes to GCSEs, you you know, growing up, we all went to school. We used to do whatever we wanted. So when it comes to them grades, our grades are terrible, not realising that's ruining the rest of our future. Yeah, yeah. Meaning, by the time you finish school, you ain't got enough GCSEs to go to a decent college. Yeah, yeah. You end up going where? Handsworth College or somewhere. Mm -hmm. All your friends go there, who, who's grew up similar to you. Parents can't control you. Then you're out of control. Then you drop out of college because you look at it like, yo, what's the point in me getting a job? My grades are terrible. Yeah. Drug dealing is the only option. Yeah, real talk. Mm -hmm. Rapping's the only option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything illegal is the only option. Mm -hmm. So they've ruined our life from primary school. Mm -hmm. It's been set up this way. The whole system set up this way. Is it, it, this, mm, this is how it's even going to work. Like in school, like, like, like growing up with black people, this is how you see it. Like you see people that you went to school with 10 years ago. The Asians say, oh yeah, I'm a doctor now. I'm a lawyer now. What are you doing? And it's like, damn, he's a doctor. What am I doing? And you're looking at your people. And for us, it's only the graveyard or prison. Yeah, yeah, so, so with them, they don't, they don't, the, the, the prison and the graveyard, them options ain't there for these other yeah, races. Right. Mm. It's only there for us. So mm. it's like the teachers know this. So in school, why we, like you said, when you're a kid, you do childish things. Mm -hmm. Like if I knew what I knew now, I'd have put my head down in school yeah, and said, course. you know what? Likewise, bro. I'm going to mm. do this. So how we but then, can- But then, but then what happens and also is in this mm. kind of like a, this is kind of like a new trend that we're now starting mm. to see. And then you have man them like, that were kind of like me. So from the block, I had my dad a certain type of way dealing with me. Mm. But then I got to a certain point in school where I'm just like, but all the funds with the mandem though. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all the funds with the mandem. So you see like how you now starting to see them over races. That was going back to a point I was making a little bit earlier that now you're looking at certain ends that was once at ends. Now, those are the individuals that are getting caught off. Because mm -hmm. when you look at places like the North, the uh, North, the, um, sorry, South side of the city, Knife and gun crimes are mad thing like over there as well. What, what happened mm. there? It never used to no, but this, but this is what I'm saying. So this is why when I gave you the analogy and the breakdown, when I remember I said poverty, 
all of those things. You have to look things in its context. Yeah, but Northfield ain't poor. And it's getting no, no, but you're missing something. What is Northfield and them areas known for? What factories? Range Rover, mm. Jaguar, all of those things. So when them, remember when everyone was being made redundant about how many years ago? Jaguar. What happens seven, eight years later? What was what was what was the Hockley known for? Jewelry quarter. What else? Yeah, all of the big factories. So any you got. So this is what I'm saying now. Now you're starting to understand now how the system's designed. Because when you look at the like the industrial revolution, who did that mash up the most? The working class. Why? Because we were good with our hands. So the moment that the system said, oh, we don't need you no more, mate, because we've got a machine now, can do what you've been doing for the last 10 years. So you've left now thinking, raw. I've lived, I've lived all my life and I've done that. Like, what am I supposed to do now? Like you're saying you're doing driving. There'll be a time where you're just parking to a thing and something will just take out the things. And they're telling you now, like, we've got to drop your pay because all we need you to do it's just drive. And what, you're going bank now? And they're telling you in the bank, just go to the machine and you'll do And I'm saying, no, I need to talk to a human being. <laughs> so whilst you have certain skills that many of our people had, and the same thing happened with the Irish community and stuff like that as well, you started to notice that we weren't needed. So in those same communities where there wasn't need from the working class, it's those communities that started to be destroyed. When you go to like Aston and certain parts of hockey, you know the yards are massive, you know? Have you not noticed? Yeah, but do you know why? But do you know why? Because historically, these were the rich areas. So when these places started to shut down and there was no need for the people like that no more, they were just like, yo, I'm taking my pee and I'm bouncing and I'm going to these particular areas. And the same thing that we're now starting to see in those particular spaces is a repeat of history. And just like you, you mentioned something before about music, but you caught me and I remember now what I was talking about. You were talking about the Bay Area and you're talking about music, but the same thing that we're seeing happening here is the same thing that happened to America. So when drugs was brought into the country in 1986 through the government to destroy black organizations nationally, what did certain, where were the strongholds? Chicago, Black Panther Party, LA, Black Panther Party, Baltimore, and all of those, uh, those particular places. And what did those things, did, what did those things become? Those became the hotbeds of where the government were putting things in to destroy the community. So then the Black Panther Party and all of those, uh, the vice lords and all of those things started to destroy now. And then they started to destroy each other. So then now when we talk about Crips and Bloods now, <clears throat> where did that come from? It didn't start with Crips and Bloods. Mm. But now it's a madness now. You go Compton now and a man will blast you and you're doing the most positivity. Look at the Don Nipsey also one day. You know what I'm saying? So you can be doing the most positivity in the community. But the self-hate that a man has in his mind for you. It's, it hurts so much that you want to raise people up in your community that I want to don your dance for that. <laughs> I want to don your dance because you're watching me. I want to don your dance because you're making a little bit of money. I want to don your dance because you're trying to make something for yourself. And I want to don your dance because you're trying to help the community. Because who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> Some man can't win. So we're in a community where we feel like we can't win. You're damned if you help your people. And you're damned if you turn against them. Man call you a sellout when you're saying, you know what, I want to take my kids and I want to move from this environment. But then you stay in the ends and a man saying, bruv, talk to your youths. You can't win, bruv. You can't win. It's a, it's, a, it's a madness, though. The way they got us trapped, it's a madness, man. You know what I mean? But again, the UPK, man, we teach. Again, we're counselors in here, man, and we can, you know, teach brothers how to get out of that, man. But again, another another question now, um, 
you saw what, what knives do to loved ones, mm-hmm. the individual themselves, the person dead, the, bro- the brother that got nicked for the crime. What would you tell a man to think about before he wants to do a madness? What, what, what would you give? If you had to sum it up in one sentence, what would you tell him? me one sentence. <laughs> if, you, if you could. No, but you know why you can't? It can't be one sentence. my point again, because every man's different. Mm. And that's what I'm saying. Even in the way that we ask these questions are limited in the way that we respond because we're making the assumption that the man wants to hear it now. Mm-hmm. So what I say to a lot of men, this is what I will say, is that sometimes you might have to sit down in order to hear what I've been saying to you. And then we can have that conversation when you're five, six years in. Mm. Because some men have to, some men have to sit down. That's we have true. to acknowledge that some man, despite of what we're talking about, that love, there's some man that want the energy and the chaos. And it's like that's why I said I can't live with the savior complex. So you can't, you can't save them all. But maybe from that one that done the mad thing and destroyed part of the community for what he's done, maybe through his story, we can help some of the youngest and say, you know what, the older man that everybody loves. He's saying right now his prison's not a nice thing. Yeah, they're also and that you, and you respect him, but you respect him to the point that you're like, rah, for real. A man's telling you that. I remember a man said to me before, he said, prison's barbaric. He said, forget what the man them said. He said, prison's barbaric. He said, you know why it's barbaric? He said, imagine getting up every day and not knowing if a man wants to punch you in your face or slice you with a razor. Mm. Because we're thinking that, and this is another thing, and this is what I'm saying, the reality of jail. So a lot of youths think that, yeah, I'm just going to a local jail in my end. What happens if they ship it to Liverpool? That's true. So I, I've, I've, I've known man that like Bro? that. Hey, one day you wake up in the morning, yep. Fam, pack your things. Man up there, yo, get moved to up there, you know. They don't know because you. Because there's an equivalent of badness everywhere. You know, and we kind of have this... Um, Stuck you know, in a bubble, it's, it's a, we fit the baddest man in the end. I'm not knocking my Jamaican thing where it's a Jamaican thing. I'm going to move to anybody. <laughs> I mean, no man can't touch me. And we do all of that mad thing. And then we're the first one to get knocked out. <laughs> first one to get thumped up. The first one to get knocked out. But we got that. We got that rebellion in us. So we're on it though. But what I'm saying though is we enter into those particular environments and nobody don't know who you are. Right. And there's going to be badder man in those environments. So I believe that sometimes, even in the context of the road, the gang thing, the same olders that the youths look up to them are not really telling them that. They're not telling them that your fam, I was crying every day in myself. They're not telling them that your fam, I couldn't sleep. I needed to smoke. And that's why enough men are then turned into hard drugs. Because mm-hmm. if a man's saying, yo, bro, I ain't got no weed, but I got this thing here still. And a man's thinking, yo, I'm so stressed right now. I need to pass this time. All right, then let me just try that little thing that you got there. And then you're trying it again and trying it again. Mm-hmm. And then you become that guy that was well known in the ends, and now men are laughing at you in the wind, kicking you in your bottom, and and throwing water after you, and doing all the man things. And how many times have you seen that, man? Bag of times. Seen it like you see man from the ends selling to man that we were like, yo, back in the day, this man was what stress, trauma, can't manage, Mm. isolated. Like, fam, I don't know about you, but if I was put in a room like this for a couple of days, some of us may get into a fight. (laughs) <laughs> because after a while it's like bro like fam like yo move like move up and you're saying fam don't put your hand on me and then you're like, get me and then you're a man like you're begging don't touch my people and i'm saying fam last patty left and i'm saying listen i'm, I'm taking the patty and i'm saying well i'm taking the donuts bro don't pick up the donuts like that and then we got we're in a madness because you know what human beings that are put in environments in a particular like man man, man is lions and it alpha males so you can't put 10 lions in one mm-hmm. spot because you're going to see the madness mm-hmm. and everyone's going to fight to be dominant and to be the king and the same way human beings and that's why when you look at the isolation room in, in schools mm-hmm. 
when you look at detention Jail. center oh, okay. and when you look at prison, that's why they call it the school to prison pipeline. Because every time that those youths remember, jail's not nothing because I've been in isolation from school. I always got put in the naughty corner. I always got put on the naughty step. I always got told to go to my room. So psychologically, we're prepping our youths for the wider system. So then when you're saying now, what would you say to any youth? Yeah, because I start wanting still. I hear that. I hear they're that. saying, yeah, but I'm not worried about prison, huh? <laughs> no, I'm not worried about I'm not scared of prison fam like my older's in jail right now and he's saying yo man's nice soon as we touch <laughs> so I'll move to my ah because it is what it is mm. but the reality of what the older's saying though is yeah prison may be nice if you're known if you're linked in but what happens if you're not it's true still not. I know man personally like get shipped to Liverpool yeah like what I, ever, all the madness you put on the road man like I, I never heard it you kilo J, what do you want? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, 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 you stabbed the man. The man laughed after you because he had made I killed four men, and this is how I killed them. And you're thinking, raw, <laughs> strangling man and some cannibalism. <laughs> There's man like that <laughs> in general, like but we just, we just don't talk about it. Man that eat man and all kind of mad things and keep man in blurry and barrel and they're doing them type of things. And you're thinking you're in there because you what you you went on a four door truck. That's, like, that's <laughs> and what I'm saying. Little one part. And them things there. So when you meet man, those are the things that sometimes happen. And I think that is the reality. And I'm not gonna say that you know every situation is the same because man will watch this and be like, for some people jail is not as bad. But we have to always look at data and statistics. And it. And I'm a man that I like to talk about the numbers. And the majority of men that are in those scenarios are not in a situation where they're like they can cope and nothing is is solving their problem so they're dealing with their trauma and forever just in a hypersensitive state and that's why when man in jail anything can happen you look at a man i know a man that over cocoa butter and man they were in the shower talking like as brothers cool a man was like showered and done his thing and a man was like I said, what you do? I said, what you do? And the man's looking like, what? But did you just put your finger in my uh, cocoa butter? Bam, knocked him out. No lung thing, no talking. Gone, sleeping over cocoa butter. I know a next man that was a man that don't, that's what I'm saying, all them things like, man don't eat chicken and man don't, and a man only eats fish. And then a man's ate that in the kitchen. So imagine, imagine if you don't eat any other meat and you only eat fish and a man eats your thing and you're, you've, you've, you've worked all day. And you're coming home now or coming to your cell and you're finding that it's gone. I know a man that went on a madness over Aki and Saltfish. <laughs> no, but, but, but what the man did though, he dashed the Aki and ate the Saltfish. He must have been, he must have been thinking, what's this? He must have been thinking, yo, this is, well, I don't like this yellow thing, but the fish thing and the rice is tasting all right. So when the man's come back now, like, yo, where's my thing? He's clocked the Aki and everyone's like, yo, I think it's my man. Listen. Listen, I had a worker that worked in there. She said the whole prison had to shut down the way the man was going to take the youth's life over Aki and Saltfish. But that's what it is because remember, you're, those privileges like patties and them things, and we're sitting here like, do you want it, bro? You could uh, you warm it off. Yo, it's gold in there. A man, If a man touched my patty, everyone gets broke up in there. And that's, and that's how men are moving. That's how men are moving because you got to bear in mind there's something that's called civil liberty. And when your civil liberties are taken, that's what I'm saying. You can't comprehend what that's like. So when the youths are engaging with each other, they're talking on the basis of, yeah, I'm going to jail, but they're not accessing that part. Staying in a cell and a man has to do a, a shit. And there's, there's no curtain. There's no door. 
And a man's like, yo, I got the runs. And then a man's talking to his woman and he's crying. And, and, and you're just thinking, yo, you're just getting every piece of energy that a man might be with you in the cell. So not everybody's going to cope with that. Some man, yeah, let's be honest. But not everyone's going to. And then you got bullying. Then you got extortion. Then a man's saying, yo, phone your mom. Because right now, I, you know what? Beggy pull, pull out that TV in your room. And everyone's looking at you like, and you're thinking, yeah, but I thought these men are my, my friends. Yeah, I'm your bedroom, but I want your TV. And everybody's looking at you. And then you're taking too long. And then some random done from some random ends punches you in your face. And you can't get mad. You need to chill out. Just go get your TV and sort. You know what? Tell your mum you need 50 pounds. Because right now, I need some credit. So I'll take 30 and you'll keep 20. And you might all do it. But then the next man's saying, wait there, my man's getting peeled like that. You know what? You see that 20 pounds? Give me 10 pounds, fam. And I'm saying, nah, nah, no, give me the next 10 pounds, fam. Free all of that. Nah. And then your 50 pounds gone. And your mum's like, no, man, you might do well. You might do all right. <laughs> you call me my mum, right? Yep. And, bruv, I'll never forget. <clears throat> I'll be careful because this individual probably know who I'm talking about. And I'll give you the example. I remember going on a visit. I've seen a youth with his parents. Bad boy, you know. Sat down with his mum and dad because this is where the, this is the reality of life now. Because mm -hmm. mum is different when you when you see mummy and sister, and it. Mm -hmm. So you sit down, mummy and sister now, and I see him go. <sighs> and his mum said to him, "Not here." Mm -hmm. She said, "Not here." Mm -hmm. <sighs> Just seen the shoulders going, and he saying, "Not here, fam." The whole hall started laughing. All the men started laughing. I've never seen anything like it. Remember, he's crying. He, he's realized that this thing's not for him. Ah, man, I'm like, yo, look at my man laughing, crying. So mum's telling him no. So he's all his mum more certain than he is. His mum's saying, yo, man, I'm saying, yo, when you get back to the south, you got to get rushed for that. Are you crying for your mum, fam? Because that's what I'm saying, man. And the youths, them are putting on a facade, and that's what it is. It's a facade. So even with the music, you heard me talk about hypermasculinity. It's exaggeration. So I'm creating these illusions that I'm this, but I might not actually really be that. And this is what social media does. It enables you to hide behind a screen and a keyboard, and you can act however you want. You can talk to a man from America right now and talk the wickedest, because you know you're not going to see him. Just like men are going to do that on social media. And then you've also got to bear in mind, this is what I'm saying, the context is different. Because when we were growing up, man would just blaze each other and say, yo, look at you that your head, fam. And you're wearing a green cap. And yeah, yeah, but look at you, fam. You're wearing a waistcoat. And you get me? We do all of that. And man is just laughing. Going, -hoo 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 -hoo. And we're doing all of that. And you feel shame. Imagine that on a social media platform, fam. Where you got thousands of people that you don't even know. You don't even know. And you're on a meme. And you don't even know. Man, I'm like, yo, fam. Have you seen the online thing? You're like, what, 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 what? And you got peer girl laughing. Peer man laughing. Man from the ends. And then you got people that you don't know saying, you're not going to box my man for that. So then there's that, ever, there's that other layer of pressure. So this is what I'm talking about in my PhD. Because the question I'm asking is, what is music and social media doing to increase violence? So when I study violence, there's three things that I always get people to consider. Hurt, guilt, and shame. When someone shames you and you feel hurt by it, there's a level of guilt because you want to do something. But the question is how? Because in an online space now, it's almost like, and you know this. It's like if it didn't happen online, it never happened at all. But we come from an era where we didn't have social media. So if me and you had a fight, unless you told your people and I told my people, no one ever knew. So we had to kind of be like, yo, yeah, I had a fight with a man. What did the man look like? Why? All I can say is he's, yeah, the army kind of hoodie on. He had gold teeth. 
So I had to do a description thing. Now, all I need to do is just look at UPK, and it's a fine couple pages. Guaranteed I'm going to find your one in the pictures. There's my man, and there's his man them. So I might not catch you, but you might just be with your family at Tesco's, and then a man's moving to you. And this is the different time that we're in right now. So when you're talking about how violence is now perpetuated amongst the youths, you've got to also consider the individuals that are around. So when I do work with the youths, not only do I tell them about consequences, also telling them how to stay safe, because we can take a picture with each other, and a picture says a million things to the audience that's watching it. Now, we may be cool, but the audience are thinking that we're best friends. And based on that, that can get one of us into problems in the wrong environment. Let me ask you a question real quick. Like you said, when you speak to the youths now, like for instance, there's men that have been in jail for years. Mm -hmm. And then you probably seen it recently. Was it the BBC that there was on telling the children they don't want to come to jail? Mm -hmm. So now, like my question to you is, you've seen those videos where they're saying, yo, you don't want to come to jail. It's like this. Mm -hmm. But the, the youths nowadays are like on this, yo, he's washed up. Why am I listening to him? So like you were saying, you can't save everyone. So surely, you've, you, we've all seen it now. we got friends in jail, so you see them post on Snapchat how people are fake, yeah, how, yeah, how their yeah. friends don't come link them or nothing. Yeah, yeah. So we've seen all of that. There's mm. that side to it as well. Because mm. for, for instance, 24 hours to me and you on the road, it's, it, it goes like it's that. Like, yes. 24 yeah, yeah, yeah. hours in jail, so, you're thinking, yo, if yeah. in jail, they must be thinking, how come my minute hit me up? How come my minute message me? Not realizing, once you're on the road, you're living your own life, and a man in jail, your life kind of stops. Like, your job is, your life is bed. Like, like you go bed when they yeah, tell you, yeah, yeah, yeah. eat when they tell you. So that's your life. And then when you see your friends outside having fun, straight away, you're not going to like them because you're going to be like, yo, it's yeah, fake. Thinking, yeah, he yeah. sent me no money. Look, look at him in the club with all, 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 all this. All he says is free me. It, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so so there's that side to it too, mm -hmm. that the people that you did think was your friends, they ain't there for you when you're in jail. No, but you or, know what it is? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. And this mm -hmm. is what I say to the man them. They are your friends. Mm -hmm. But why did you expect them to do extra now you're in jail? These are the hard pills that men don't want to swallow. I see, see, see. So, so like I've got cousins. I don't mm -hmm. see my cousins every day. Mm -hmm. And my cousins are in situations and I might not even help them because they've got to be men and deal with their own thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? I've got my own family to deal with. Mm -hmm. So life goes on is the point that I'm making. I hear what you're saying, but, but, I think but they're not prepared for life to go on. So they're stuck in that, that circle now when a man might be even like, how comes a man's not doing this? How comes a man's mm -hmm. not doing that? And your girl might even say, oh, yeah, my man um, gave me some money for the kids. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting there thinking, what was that all about? And I need I need to come for you to visit me and chat to me on the phone because I want to know when it comes to the yard, did it come in? Because mm -hmm. now you're thinking, but where is this mindset that someone has to? It's entitlement mm -hmm. and, and nobody's think, entitled. My thing is in jail now. Like for us, we, we got 24 hours to think because we're out here, but we, we can kind of break it up. We can be in the car. We can be, be doing whatever we want, but as the Tesco... In jail, you're just left in the cell with your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine yeah. Mm -hmm. everything that you're trying to escape from, it's all in your mm -hmm. mind. Is my woman cheating on me? Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's yeah. summer it's outside, what is she wearing? You're yeah, thinking yeah. all of them kind of things. That's you know? the stuff that will make me mad. That's why I can never go to jail. That's what I'm saying. That's enough for me. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> enough for me, gal. It's enough for me <laughs> to know that I don't want to do... I don't. I've been jailed enough to know the environment. I mean, working in jail and just know that the, 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 this would be the light. This is light. Oh, this is the light, not sunlight. So what you need to understand about jail is mm. there are men that will be out there south for certain periods of the day, but that's based on a kind of um, pretense that you're behaving yourself. Mm. So it's like a reward system. So like, for example, you're in education. So you may go college, for example, from 10 to 1. 
and then you might go from two till three. You might have a clean, you might have a job, you work in the kitchens. So you're trying to find that those individuals are more socially included in the prison context mm. versus the man that wants to be bad and the officers are like, I'm not sure about my man. So they're the individuals that, not necessarily in a block, you're just in your cell all day. And you always got to bear in mind the pandemic. No one ain't come out their cells. You got what I'm saying? So man are, man are in Cat D when they're supposed to have weekend visits and they're like, listen, they can't leave because you can imagine if this, again, if this was a prison context, the virus thing is a mad thing because there's no air. This is the air, bro. This is this is the light. So one thing I always used to say to man, like, I don't know if every man's any work or gone into jail or worked in jail before, but like there's a grayness that goes to our skin because we need vitamin D in it, but there's a grayness that goes in our skin and you see our people and it don't look right, man. It's like it's a different type of year, bro. And like, I, I remember seeing it. Yeah, man. And it's, it's, it's a real thing, man. It's a real thing. I remember going to, you know, so that our, main, our main four prisons are Winston Green, Birmingham Prison, Oakwood, Featherstone, and Brinney in Wolverhampton. And I'm going in there and seeing one of my dad's old school people, man, from back in the day, man. And he had done a murder many years ago with, um, had a domestic issue at the household. The son come home, had a fight with him and he ended up killing the son oh. and got a life sentence. But I remember going in, but that's what I'm saying. You forget about people. See. And I remember seeing him and he just was like on the chair, just like this. And I just was like, run. He's like, yo, what? He's like, yo. He said, I'm not even halfway. That's why he said, he said, I'm not even halfway through my sentence. Like he had gray cane rolls are like starting here on a mad thing <laughs> to the back. He just was just like, he said, he's got all kind of IBS and because remember the food as well is not, you get what I'm saying? It's not like the food that we're having and they're probably not sleeping properly and bodies mash up. They can't go for one massage, civil liberty, the things that we value, they don't, they don't get um, and I'm just thinking, yeah, you're gonna die in here, and it's sad. That's a sad reality that enough of our youths will die in there. You know what gets me the most when a man goes in jail in his teens and comes out 30 because, like, 20s for me was like the best time of yeah, my life, bro. And I see him miss it, and you see him come out in his 30 trying to do some 20 year old, shit. yeah, but their mindset, like, oh, yeah, because he's the yeah, same, yeah. he's the same, he's the same guy that, that used to knock up the hand, yeah, 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 yeah. and he really thinks. Mm -hmm. That, that, that part there is bonding, man. Everyone hear it, man. But and then also when you remember mind that enough men that are going into jail, <clears throat> they've got a <clears throat> particular type of mentality. So unless they're around like older men that have a certain mindset, and if they're only surrounding themselves with individual, that's why I say for me, I think it comes with age. So it depends on what age group that man go in, and you find that as they get older, they start to assimilate to individuals that might have that particular mindset. But then you got some men that will stay around the gas. Why? Because we know that. Man in the ends, big 30, 40 year old man, mm. and moving like 18, 19 year olds thinking that it's cool, but that's the mentality in it. It's all escapism, bro. That's oh. the way that I look at it. It's all escaping them. If it's not drugs, if it's not um, drink, if it's not um, gyal, if it's not some sort of kind of next kind of madness that man are doing behind closed doors, it's always to escape the wider system that's designed to destroy us. So the key thing is understanding what the system is, and then how do we navigate the system that ensures both our people, and more important, our children, survive the system of racism and white supremacy. Mm, true thing, man. My last question, anyway, I wanted to know this from long, like, mm. you travel a lot, you know, doing doing your work and whatnot. I want to know, we start with England first. Mm. What 
what difference what what traveling from you know Brom to you know I'm, I'm guessing Nottingham and mm-hmm. Ipswich and so forth what's the vibe like in different cities from Brom uh, well, not, in, in regards to your work but in terms of the, awesome in, in terms of the I'll start with this uh, cities first then talk about Europe then I'll talk about other countries so from a, a UK perspective most of the issues that are overt are in the inner city. That's why a lot of people, when they kind of sense that something may be going wrong, they dip to a rural space, countryside, in the sticks, little village, mm-hmm. and just live their life. But because we now got social media, what we're now starting to see is patterns of behavior that's now starting to exist in those same rural spaces. So it's almost like a, a thing like we can't get away from it. So when I'm doing work like in Norfolk, I'm doing work in, I don't know, um, places like Cardiff or wherever, what they're talking about is their youths in these spaces behaving like youths from some of the major cities. Why? Because they're listening to the same music that you're saying that you like. And that's what I'm saying. There's a, there's a youth that got stabbed in Norwich not too long ago in Norfolk. And they said, how did the stabbing start? You made, you made a drill music the Saturday and got stabbed on Tuesday. So man can't tell me that the same things that are happening here in the inner city is not been a contribution to there. But then I always look at what the wider context is. So wherever there's poverty, wherever there's poor education, wherever there's poor housing, wherever there's trauma that youths have been experiencing, those issues happen. And all the music does is just exacerbate those issues. So that's the UK context. Now me doing my work in Europe, it's slightly different because you're dealing with organizations now. Which Europe country, sorry? European countries. Oh, so I've done work in France, Cyprus, Romania, Italy, Greece, Sweden, um, Dublin, Ireland. So I've, I've had a chance to do a lot of kind of work in different places. And whilst kind of the similarities in terms of violence, and also the demographic is obviously different in those places. You then start to learn more about like organized criminality, the mafias, Polish, Albanian um, triads and them type of organized criminal groups. And then you kind of start to see the kind of link between organized criminality and then what we call street gangs or street violence, because there's a link because the guns come from somewhere, the drugs come from somewhere. So the context is interesting. And I think one of the key things to kind of talk about as well is the notion of race and how we may see a covert expression of racism here in the UK, but it's slightly more overt in European countries. Does that make sense? And then you go to places like America where it's it's all over. A man's going to tell you to your face, I don't like people like you. Whereas over here, we're like, oh, I don't really exist. Just a couple bad eggs. And then we see the mad thing that happened with the royal family the other day. And then everybody <laughs> talks about, everybody says the reality of what it is or the Black Lives Matter situation happens and everybody's got something to say. So whilst we're having these conversations, I think one of the things that's also quite evident is that wherever you see people of colour, black or brown people, we are the ones that catch the most how. That's right. In those environments. That's right. Because we are the ones that are... The mo- I told you we're bottom of the barrel from the context of not, we're not bottom of the barrel because we're kings, but it's how they view us and how they treat us and how their systems are designed to create policies to keep us in a hostile environment that make us rebel in those two ways. So we either become the coon, so we become the sellout, or we become rebellious and then the system gets us through mental health, through the prison system, or destroying our, our opportunity to make finance that we can't produce for our families.
sorry. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, if you can ask one thing, so why is it us? Like, why do they want us down? Is there a specific reason why, or is it just it just is the way it is, or is there a specific reason why it's 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 in a way aimed at us? It's it's not one answer. And I think that you know, even from a UK perspective, you'll have an answer for this as well. I guess from a perspective when I look at social science and history, you know, we we are the great. That's right. And any 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 group of people, nation or community or whatever you want to see that see greatness, always want to ensure that their history is written in the books through their way, through their lens, um, to distort the history of the past. And I think that now we're in a technological era now and we have research and you got people traveling all over the world now. We're able to identify that. So when you're talking about kind of the wider system, you know, it, can it still be maintained? I don't think it can. You know, when we're seeing it fall apart right in front of us, they can't make, because you're looking at the world powers in other countries now, China's getting dominance, you know, other people are getting dominance in other places now. So the, the tipping scale now of dominance and authority and appearance is now going. Things like cryptocurrency and all of that type of stuff, like all of these things will shake up things that are ultimately happening. And I guess one of the things I think that we as a community, society, a nation of people, or whatever you want to use to refer it, we need to understand what that system is because they hate us the most. And whilst they've demonstrated that throughout the generations, we can't still sit here now and be just like, yeah, I'm just going to see Wagwan or you get me saying, so I'm just going to talk my way out of this. We need action. You know, we need to start thinking about action. And that's why I'd like to just kind of end with, for me, the purpose of, you know, not just knowing oneself and not just striving to, you know, own and understand one's knowledge. But I think it's important that we also have um, financial stability within our communities. So if I may, just, do for ourselves. just before we wrap up, is touch on quickly how it was in Jamaica. We know you traveled to uh, Jamaica. Just quick touch. You know, yeah, it could, and, and sorry, I didn't even mention like a lot of people think yeah. a lot of people think British tea and crumpets. You know, blah, 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 just you know, if you could let my viewers know a quick, a quick brief of when you did your work in in J. So the reason why I got called to Jamaica, just in a nutshell, was um, you may remember a couple of years ago, America, America Jamaica, sorry, was um, declared a state of emergency, um, and it was like over a hundred and I think it was nine or ten people that got killed in a very short space of time. So some firearms had ended up on the island from America. <laughs> um, and you can imagine those got into the hands of the wrong people and we were just slaughtering each other one of the things that you learn about the Caribbean the Americas predominantly South America and whatnot when you talk about the slave trade and you talk about the migration or our people were taken from and placed to different lands throughout the world we know that the most hostile of our people were placed in the South of America and on the Caribbean islands. And anywhere where you see the um, hostility of those that were rebelling against the kind of um, powers that be in those particular times, those are the particular places that were stripped of all of their resources so they could never be self-reliant. Mm. So when you look at places like Jamaica and other places like Brazil, the darkest of people are the ones that are struggling the most because what happens then is then you have kind of the this idea that particular countries like the UK had a major hand within the Caribbean, the West Indies, you know, the Commonwealth and all of these things. And those particular nations were ultimately dismantled, destroyed 
And then they also then put puppets in those positions of power to ensure that the mindset of Western civilization exists in those places. So when you look at a lot of those places now, um, in the Americas, in the Caribbean, um, I don't know how to use the word Middle East, but in those particular lands, what do you notice? The dominance is always between the races. And those that are considered the darkest of the people of those lands are always the ones that are stripped of their stripped of their lands, stripped of their resources, and then almost kind of given situations where they can't be independent and for themselves. And that's why when you look at kind of like civil wars and things that have happened, is because people have risen up and said, now we're not having it. And we're not doing that. But what we're now starting to see even more now is that in a world of technology and media, People are doing the research. People are realizing that way that I can jump on a plane that don't cost that much. Mm. People are now saying, you know what? I can go to a museum and the information's right there. I always tell people, why don't you go to Birmingham Museum? You know how much information's in that place? I used to walk past it every single day going to, go go to college. <laughs> but, no, but it's what I'm saying. Even for my PhD, <laughs> I used to sit in there every day and I'm realizing, rah. So when we're talking about this violence thing, you're realizing this thing's going back. And there was nine, 10, 11 year olds stabbing each other. But they're gonna act like it's something that we've just started. Mm -hmm. But this is this is why knowledge is important, because then there needs to be some of us that have expertise and skills in multiple things. That's how we bring back the village. I just feel that the village now is just peer talkers. There's not many people from the village that are saying, "All right, let's do it." And I think that's where we how we get that restoration in our community. So I'm saying that there is a space for talking. There is a space for reasoning. That's what we grew up on. We grew up on reasoning, sit down, boy. You know about this, sit down, my youth. You know about, that's what we grew up on, reasoning. That's right. But now that's gone because nobody don't want to chat to each other. My man's just like, like my man saying, you know, you're chatting, you just, my man just chat is long still, whatever, because men are not talking on their frequency. At least with the elders at our time, that understood Wagwan and I'm just saying, how we got to a place where we ain't even talking on the, them frequency. So it's not necessarily just about change, in the ends, but we're talking about change of the mind, change of the heart, change of the spirit, and how that they do things that may be slightly different, that we want them to be fundamentally different. Because our youths are going to grow up in a society, fam. That's we can't right. keep them in a bubble. That's right. They're going to have to come into contact with these people with all kind of mad mindsets. So what are we prepared to do and what are we prepared to do with each other? So I can say, yo, my youth can be like, yeah, yeah, my man, I know him still. Like, his dad and my dad are cool still. He's not my cousin, but now my man's good. Like, where do we get, when do we get that mentality back? When we should jump on the bus and I'll just be like, yeah, I know my man, like, cool, cool, my man. Oh, yeah, before that, man, one time, black man would say a black man had a little head nod, just boom. We need to reintroduce that back. Something I do anyway, I'll practice what I preach. So I see a couple of youths in his hooded up. Yo, you all right, young brothers? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm cool still, big man. Sometimes you just got to break the ice. Yeah, but and, tension's and thick, I, 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 don't, I don't have hyper-masculinity. I don't suffer with that, so... I don't mind doing that. Mm. I'm saying to her, you, yo, man loves you, you know. <laughs> but, but but love don't mean that. I'm not yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. that's not love. Yeah, that's a that's bestiality. Like, <laughs> a outside. I'm saying to you that I love you. You get what I'm saying? And I think that these are the things that I think is important when we have those conversations with um, each other. We deal with them with love, and when they know that you got love for them, I think that's the reason why men have always loved me in the ends. Is because they know that despite the fact that they've made choices, I've never judged them for it. I've never liked it. I've shown them I don't like it. I've shown them that it's something I fight against and I'm not on it. But the door's always open for love. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think we need to bring back. Teach them peace and teach them love. 
And I think that's what we need to have in our community, to bring our community that. But I think there's one more thing I want to say is that we also need to identify those of us in the village that also need to remove themselves. But there's a certain man in the village that I don't want around my children. Point <laughs> That's true, man. Like, yeah. Point blank. That's true, man. Craig, thanks for coming, man. I just have been man, a good yeah. dialogue, man. Yo, Kings. big man, Tig, man. Every hard. time, Give brother, come, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, of course, man. I'm ready for it, man. No, man, you've got to keep the fire, man. Two on time, man. I couldn't come through and not show the man them. Come on, man. You know what I mean? I tell the people we treat you good, man. Donut, drink, party, everything. Come on. Let me know, man. Yo, this is... Yo, I might slide around again. Come on, man. Anytime, man. They might catch me on a Friday night like, yo, man, then you got to catch me. Anytime, man. Come true, man. Again, let the people know where to find you. Social media-wise, Facebook-wise. Let them know what projects you're dealing with. You know um, what I mean? So Instagram is probably the best way to get me. So it's Street Academics UK, or one word that is Street Academics UK. Um, if you type me in Twitter, you just type Craig Pinkney. If you go onto YouTube and type Craig Pinkney, as I said, my organization's called Solve the Center 